Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. Here's your host, Coach Donald, and I am once again with Coach Kylo. What's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you? I'm groovy. Um, like I was about to tell you before we recorded, I am, I'm trying to not call it intermittent fasting, but this essence of time-restricted eating. There's this podcast that my friend got me listening to, the Huberman Lab. Huberman Lab, Huberman Lab, something like that. He's this, I think, neuro something, an ophthalmologist from Stanford. And he has this podcast about interesting science stuff with health and wellness. It's definitely on the more advanced end, but like it's digestible, but he uses a lot of science words too. Mm -hmm. He was talking about um, what he calls time-restricted eating. But it really talks about intermittent fasting and things like that, which is something I've done on and off. It helps me with focus and really scheduling. But like yesterday, I ate pretty much throughout the entire day and I finished eating at like 10. So I wanted to like give myself a long break to not eat. So I haven't eaten yet today. It's like noon when we're recording this. And like now my body's starting to get like, all right, my dude, like where the food at? <laughs> Uh, we're using up a lot of calories to think this morning <laughs> coach this morning so uh yeah see <laughs> yeah no good for you I'd be yeah no this uh whole demeanor my whole demeanor right now would be so different if I went that long without eating <laughs> oh yeah by the time we're done it's, it's gonna be pushing it with how long I can be perky and happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's good. Well, hey, let me know how it works. Um, I don't, I've never like kind of been into that like aspect of it, but you know, I heard it works for a lot of people, especially with certain schedules and stuff. Yeah. I actually had done it for the better part of most of actually 2020. I started off doing that and like, it, it really helped me with flow because I didn't always work out early in the morning. And I, I, can, I can lift on an empty stomach. I cannot run on an empty stomach. I mean, I can, but it's miserable, actually. Mm -hmm. But I can lift on an empty stomach and not like feel like I'm hating life. And I would usually just wait till like around this, like 10, 11, 9, 10, 11 to eat. And then I would only eat until like 8. What I noticed was energy-wise, my best days were when I didn't start eating until about mid to late morning, like between 9 and 12. And then I was done eating by like six, seven. And mm -hmm. if I didn't eat after seven, I, and the way that I would not eat after seven, it would involve me going home in the afternoon. So then I would go home in the afternoon, eat, and then I would take a shower in the afternoon and I would end up relaxing and then I would come back and coach and then I would go home and then I would actually go to bed on time versus when I don't go home all afternoon. And then I wait until like eight, nine o'clock to eat at night. I'm up to like easily 12 or one o'clock. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so this is a nice little interesting flow. Um, do you have like a set way of eating? Like, is there, or are you kind of just like, yo, I'm gonna eat when I eat? Yeah, uh, no, I, um, uh, I don't really, I, um, late, well, as of like, maybe like three months ago, um, like my coach that helps me with like, you know, my wellness was helping me eat more. So I technically wasn't eating enough and it was causing me to feel drained. And, um, like I mentally felt tired all the time. And I felt like I was taking a lot of naps or, well, not even a lot of naps, but more than usual. Like I felt like I really wanted to take naps a lot. So I actually eat more like throughout the day. And that's what helps me. Like when I don't eat, 
like I can just feel myself like dwindling. <laughs> so like that's really what helps me and what works for me is like the eating more as opposed to like the intermittent fasting. Yeah. It's a little opposites. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you gotta figure out what works for you. I what I find is when I do it intentionally, I tend to eat actually enough food because I am hungry and I know I won't eat at the at night. I'll actually eat enough food versus like if I depend on eating at night and I don't eat through the afternoon, I still might not eat enough food that night. Yeah. Because then I'll be like, uh, you know what, I'm gonna eat this a little bit, but I'm I'm like a a rationer almost. So I I don't mind eating a lot of portions. I'll go back and get seconds and thirds at times, mm-hmm. but I don't love seeing significant portions of my food disappearing <laughs> in one sitting. Like it makes me feel like, oh no, I'm overdoing it. Look how much food is just disappearing. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Like I'm the person that leaves like that extra little, I'll leave a little bit of milk left versus just adding some more milk and finishing it off oh, I was like yeah no I'm the opposite of that way <laughs> but um we'll, we'll move on here so today on the show we're going to talk about the comparison trap this has been something that I mean obviously people have been dealing with this for years and we've dealt with this with athletes you know for our entire time of coaching but right now it's like a theme with the number of athletes that we're, mm-hmm. that we're coaching. And we want to talk about that. We're actually going to have a mentoring session. If any of you listeners are listening to this before October, was it the 22nd or 23rd? Mm-hmm. That Friday, we're actually going to have a mentoring session here at the gym um, talking about the comparison track with our athletes. So, you know, if you're listening and your kiddo or you or yourself want to come, let us know. But yeah, this has been like a big thing. And coach, like, what, what's, what is this comparison trap? Like, what, what happens here? Yeah. So I actually wrote something about it like last week. But for me, it's like, it's basically trying to compare yourself to either an expectation, um, another person. So like, it could be a person or like, where that person is at, or it's something, an expectation that you have for yourself or like other people have for you. So like that's kind of how I like narrow it down. Obviously the comparison trap can go into anything, like the way you dress, the way you look, you know, how your body is, how much you eat, how much you don't eat, all that stuff. But like, when I think about it, it's just really like the essence of comparing yourself to like an expectation that you have for yourself or somebody else has for you. Um, and like, I feel like that's kind of like the most basic way to put it. Um, how about you? How would you kind of explain it? I mean, honestly, that was a good explanation. Okay. <laughs> made me think about, you know, you said the comparison to like what other people think. Do you say where other people think you should be? Uh, yeah. Like, man, that was, um, or even like your perception of what you think other people think you should <laughs> yeah. be. It's like, whoa, it's like inception here. Like what you think that they think or how you even interpret what they say. I know I've dealt with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I admittedly feel like, man, people give me all this praise at times. I feel like I should be doing even better or I should be doing all these other things. And like when I'm down or like I have a down, down week in one way or another, I'd be like, I'm letting everybody down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's for real. Um, and like, 
at the end of the day, it really just comes back to your expectation of yourself and where you think you should be. Even though like, like you said, it's like inception. It's like, you think that they think that you should be somewhere else, but like in reality, nobody's thinking that it's just you. Yeah. For real, for real. People got to remember, nobody's thinking about you that hard. Like if somebody's reaching out and they're thinking about you, you cherish that because people, we'd be worried about ourselves a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, do you think that athletes get like their expectations? Do you think that sometimes they are in the wrong place or like they're too low or too high? Like they're, they're just misjudging. I mean, it's hard for an outsider to say what your mm-hmm. expectations should be, but do you ever like look at an athlete and feel like, what you're expecting of yourself is kind of off the mark. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I think, you know, some athletes, their expectations of themselves are too low, um, probably because they just don't want to disappoint themselves or like they may not like what they're doing that much or like they don't really care about it um, or like in turn, they really do care about it, but they just don't want to show that they're caring about it. Um, and then some expectations are like just right and some are like too high. And like you said, it really is hard from an outside perspective because I was actually talking to one of our um, like younger runners. She's like 10 years old. And I was like, honestly, you know, I can't say or like no one else can really say like, hey, you weren't working hard enough because if you I'm not running your race, I'm not in your little body, you know, running your race. And so it's like for me to be like, you weren't trying and, you, you know, there could be all these things you could have been like dealing with something mentally you could have been physically tired your hamstring could have been hurting and I didn't know because we've all had that moment as a coach where you're like why weren't you doing this and like this hurts you're like oh and you like feel kind of stupid like (laughs) and so it's like I feel like we can you know have expectations of ourselves and our athletes but at the end of the day what really matters is what your expectation for yourself is and you know you have it takes a long time, honestly, to get realistic with yourself, especially if you're like a high achiever. I think it's harder for high achievers um, or like really low achievers, like opposite ends of the spectrum to find goals that are like just right. Let's talk about that. So comparison trap. What kind of comparisons are, let's go low achievers. What kind of comparison traps are, do you think that they are more prone to falling into? Like, what do you think they usually tend to compare or, or how they struggle with that? Or yeah, is that something um, that low achievers struggle with at, in the first place? Yeah, um, I feel like that's an interesting question because I think about it in the way that like, you know, if somebody was like, for example, like born in the hood and like all they know is like their mom, you know, works really hard. She works three jobs and like, she could never get out of like the place that she was at. And it's like, well, a low achiever might be like, well, this is just life and this is how it's going to be. Like, you know what I mean? So like they Mm -hmm. compare themselves to their like surrounding environment. Um, Like I've never seen anybody in my situation, like with my own two eyes, get out of it. So I'm just going to like stay here type thing. Um, So that's what I think of when it's like a low achiever type of mentality. It's like, well, I've never seen, you know, like if I was, you know, a five, like I was a five, two basketball player, right? Like I haven't seen many five, two basketball players in the WNBA. So like, maybe I shouldn't aim for the WNBA because Mm -hmm. like no one plays and looks like me. So that's what I think about. How about you? Wow. That was, that was deep for real. Yeah. (laughs) Um, With low achieving people. Yeah. There's this level of, 
their expect I think that their expectations can be lower or too low. I'm sorry, not low achieving people, low expectation people. Their expectations tend to be low, I think, because like they don't even know where and I their ceiling is too low. Like where what success can be seems unattainable, very related to what you said, honestly, that for some, they don't know what they don't know. And so let's say an, an, an athlete, if they don't know that they are, like let's say ultimate frisbee, right? If I walk into the sport and I don't know that I'm actually fast or I don't know that, oh, I can actually learn these throws then it's kind of like, well, I want to get better, yes, but I don't think I could play on a national club team. I want to be like a really good person on my summer league team. Or you know what, I'm going to try to be a, a starting person on the C-tier club team because I think that uh, my athleticism may match with them or my skill set may match with them, but they don't actually know that wow, you know, I, you could actually be better than that. No, mm-hmm. you actually are a lot faster than all of them. Or you can actually jump a lot higher than all of them. Sometimes I think there's like a, people get caught up like, okay, you need to be humble. But I think personally, some people's definitions of what humility and humbleness is are misguided as well. And so on one hand, there's people, they don't really know how good they are. Then there's the other people who constantly downplay how good they are. And so in the, in the, in the spirit of trying to be humble, but there's a certain level where some athletes who are really talented or people in general who are really talented, trying to be so humble that they're actually doing everybody around them a disservice by Mm -hmm. not acknowledging how good they are. If you're the, one of the fastest people on your team, or you can out jump people, or you can actually throw really well, you're doing everybody a disservice by setting the bar low because you're trying to be too modest and it almost looks disrespectful to some in certain scenarios it can be yeah no I agree and then I guess like with that said like even like moving into like the high achievers do you think like high achievers can have like lower bars for themselves too oh can high achievers have lower bars Mm -hmm. well then my next question is who's calling them a high achiever because if their bar is so low (laughs) are they calling themselves high achievers because they're just jumping over you know rocks or are they expecting to only jump over rocks but they're really jumping over boulders and then they're high achievers like so what what kind of high achievers are you talking about (laughs) yeah I guess like in the way that like you know they have high expectations for themselves and like the way that they perform but maybe like they get in their head about like where they need to be or like how good they're actually doing if that makes any sense like I'm thinking about it from like that perspective like are these high achiever are these high expectation people who don't achieve yeah oh oh okay 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 so people who consistently let themselves down yeah okay I think that there's when you mentioned this level of on both ends of the spectrum where athletes sometimes they're not as realistic with themselves sometimes this isn't, if you are this person, this may not be you. Just want to put that disclaimer there. <laughs> there are athletes who overassess how good they are and how good they can be. Um, actually, 
I have somebody very near and dear to me. He's never going to listen to this podcast. My nephew. <laughs> so my nephew is about the same size as me. He's like a little bit taller. His weight, he's like five, seven, five, eight, a buck 40. Not my buck 40. He's like a buck 50. I'm sorry. Buck 60, maybe even at this point. Very, you know, he, he plays, he plays wide receiver and safety and he has NFL dreams. And I really hope he can achieve his dreams. I am trying to like in my best uncleist and coach's way, get him to understand that you should not put all your eggs in this football basket. I could have potentially, I could have played division two football if I really got better at football and, you know, did all the things to get better at that. I did not. And I'm not saying that I should have, and I would have star, started and been a great star, but I could have, but I, but for me, my secret sauce was that I was fast and quick and I'm faster than I am quick. And even with that, I'm not, as I know there's a lot of people who are faster than me and a lot of people who are quicker than me. My nephew is neither of those things to me. So it's like, I was not a state hundred meter runner and I could beat you in the race. You are losing in 150 meter sprints to my cross country kids who yes, are state level cross country runners, but they're cross country runners nonetheless. So trying to get this young, young man to understand you could still go and play football at a high level but I personally felt like this, like the, it wasn't even so much that the NFL dream, that's great, but he was disregarding other aspects of his life in pursuit of this NFL dream. And it's like, buddy, NFL division one, ta- division one talent stands out the moment they start moving. We're mm-hmm. at a track meet, your first year running track. I don't care if it's your first year running track. I'm watching you at a track meet. And you said you're only running the 100 meter dash because the 200 and the 400 are too far distances to sprint. And then you watch a guy clock a 10, seven and he's like, yo, like a 10, seven, that's like a modest NFL time. Like most dudes in the league are running faster than that, but that's like a modest time. And you got smoke and he's going to run the one, two and before. And he didn't, he probably didn't train there. I mean, I'm sure he's training. I don't want to give, I'm not take his credit away. He's training. But Division One level football players don't need to train to be good at the one and the two. They are going to walk on the track. And if unless you have a powerhouse of a track team, they are going to be the best runners on your team. Mm-hmm. Unless you have, you know, a really good, other good runners. They're going to be one of the top people on your team. You are not, sir. And you are not training in that respect. Of, we keep telling you, me, your dad, your mom, you need to run more to get faster. You should be beating me. You should be embarrassing me. And so I, I don't want to, I kind of went on this for a, for a little while, but he's disappointing himself because now he's not, he's starting, but he's splitting time. Division one players don't split time with people who are not other division one players. You're splitting time. You're getting your feelings hurt. And now you're not taking school seriously because you're only really invested in school so you can play football. But it's like you we keep having these conversations you need to be invested in school we need to talk about college in these other respects and so we had a big conversation uh about you know understanding walking on it's okay to walk on you could go play division two football you're not bad at football he's actually really good at football he's just not blessed with an abundance of athleticism and mm-hmm. he's also not a very big person so like those but he's actually really understands the game well and he moves well and it's like you need to understand these other doors because 
you're setting your sights up here because you just think about the highest level, but you're not thinking about playing football in college to, to actually get a career, okay? You're not thinking about playing football in a sense of it's just an enjoyable thing. Because you're now you're not having fun anymore because you set your bar too high. But you didn't realistically assess where is your most reasonable ceiling. It's not that, you know, people like him can't make it to the NFL, but the odds are ungodly low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's like tough. Like you really do have to be realistic, right? Like even going back to that point, it's like, well, if he's not necessarily like that fast right now, it doesn't mean that you can't get faster, but you have to work, you know, with that aspect. But if you're not realistic with yourself, then you can't work on that aspect. Right. Cause like in your head, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna work on other stuff. But it's like, oh no, like you need to be working on this. So like, I guess with that said, like, you know, even just like, if you were to talk to your nephew or like, even like the, the like low achievers that we were saying, um, quote unquote, for those of you that aren't watching, um, then like, how would you talk to them about kind of like dealing with these, these types of things? Like, how would you get them to start like looking at their journey as their own, as opposed to like, not comparing it to others, but then also like being realistic with them. Like, we are human beings. We are going to compare because it's just the world that we live in. Um, but like, what are like some tips or like ways that we can talk to our like athletes about that? I think that when you're assessing that, there's, you need to look at what room you need to be in. So this makes me think about the podcast we did with Marcel. I did maybe, I don't know, beginning of the year. And his thing is about being the average person in the best possible rooms. And not that, I mean, that's actually a great philosophy. Like he's a professor, you know, he has a PhD. He doesn't claim to be the greatest professor or the smartest guy, but he has things that other people don't have. He's an ultra marathoner. He's not the fastest ultra marathoner, but he's in a room of people that is like, ew, that's extreme. And the reason Mm -hmm. I bring that up is not so much that everybody needs to adopt that mindset, although that is a great mindset to adopt, but you need to, when it comes to comparison, if you're going to compare yourself to other people, and let's just be real, in the sport of athleticism, I mean, in sports, not in the sport of athleticism, Mm -hmm. wow, Donald, (laughs) and you are an athlete in sports, whether you are in athletics, aka track and field, or football, basketball, volleyball, whatever, you need to know what, you need to really realistically assess yourself and see what room can I really play in, all right? And then compete in that room and then compete your way out of that room. If you're a 17 minute 5K runner, well, you need to be competing in that realm of other runners who are 16, 17, you know, 18 maybe, and not being concerned about the guy who can run 1449. Because, buddy, a 1449 5K runner, that pace is light years from where you're at right now. Could you get there? You train hard enough? Yes. But are you there right now? No. And are you going to be there next month? No. Are you going to be there in the month after that? No. But could you be there in a couple of years? Yes. But you need to understand what room you need to be playing in. Because if you're trying to play in a room that you're not ready to be in, you're not going to get there. For me, okay, I made my professional ultimate Frisbee team. But it's unhealthy for me to constantly compare myself to the other guy on our team who's like, who was a league MVP runner up or to compare myself to people who are on all world's teams. And I don't start 
<laughs> on my team. Like I'm a bottom tier player on my professional ultimate frisbee team. I don't get automatic bids to play in home games. Like I play in home games if somebody gets hurt. <laughs> Does that make me happy? No, but I know where I'm at. So I know my goal is to compete up into a consistent starting position. And then from there, compete. Can I get better to then actually be like a main go-to person? And from there, compete to, all right, can I be like a, a main person in a whole region and, and those sorts of things. So kids need to know what rooms are really in. If you're, if you're that talented, it doesn't take long to get known if you're really nationally competitive. We have a kid who's, we have several kids actually, who are nationally competitive. So it's okay for them to play in that room and, com- and compete there. And I think on the other hand, you also need to be not so concerned about yourself in respect to everybody else you need to be looking at getting better and if you focus on getting better it's easy to actually feel like you're accomplishing and achieving because guess what everybody else is getting better too so if you're comparing yourself to other people and they're getting better they're going to get better at different rates some of them you're going to surpass some of them are going to go light years in front of you you're going to have people who get into your sport late we have kids like this right now you're going to somebody's going to get into your sport late and then get better than you, they're going to start closer to where you're actually at. We have a kid who trains for years and is good. And we have her friend shows up and is pretty much right where she's at starting. And, you know, when people get are new to something, they make dupes and bounds with their training. And now she's losing to this person. Well, don't worry about her. I mean, I know it's competitive. If somebody is around you, you're going to be worried about her. But like, as far as keeping your mind healthy and your spirits healthy mm-hmm. and enjoying this, you can't be worried about that person because, yeah. you know, everybody's starting points is different. But you yourself need to be worried about how can I get better? And what does better look like for me? All right, if I'm running 1930 in a 5K, if I'm somebody who's running, well, let me leave five kids alone. If I'm running 22.9 in a 200, I wanna, I'm trying to get to 22.5. I'm trying to get to 22.6. I can't be worried if my friend runs a 22-3. Yeah, I want to catch up to him, and you can, but I can't be letting that rule my mind. So that's my thought process for those high-achieving people and how they can – or not high-expectation people who are not achieving because achievement is sometimes objective, like you're the state champion or you're not. You're top three or you're not. You're top ten or you're not. So there's an objective component to it, but achievement's also the subjective component. Actually, it's not that subjective. It's still objective. Did you get better or not? In a field, in a sport like track, it's, it's, it's objective. Even in basketball, if you're trying to get better at being a, a team player, is your, are your assists going up? You know, are you taking opportunities to come to you? Are your shot percentage going up? Are your, you know, all these, there's statistics that can help, but then there's a subjective component of, do you feel like you're actually doing better? So yeah, yeah. that was my long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's like really good. Like you said, um, even thinking, like you said, uh, like what room are you actually in and like trying to put yourself there, which like, like you said, it's good to have like lofty goals as long as they're not like so lofty that they're unreachable. Um, like you said, it may take like a couple of years, but you know, it's still a, a lofty goal and that helps like drive you. But it's also, like you said, remembering where you stand right now. And like, you know, I'm 
big on like that whole mindfulness piece and the mindfulness to stay in the present moment, right? Presently, where are you at? And it's like, how can you get better tomorrow? Or like, you know, I just like posted that quote, right? Like being basically like, I might be butchering it, but like, you know, being great is doing a bunch of small things really well, like along the way. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you never, I mean, people will have like these big PRs and stuff and like, whoa, like that's crazy, but you're not every race or every basketball game or, every, you know, like you said, soccer game that you play in, you know, you're not scoring or like running super fast, like every single time I have yet to meet one person like at the highest level, that's like every game was my best game. And I just like kept going up and like, I never stopped after that. Cause it's like, that's not even what life is. Like life is full of like ups and downs. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, what I would give even just like low or high, you know, achievers, like the best advice I could give them is like, you know, remember that your journey is your own and like other people might, you know, have similar journeys, but no one has the same exact journey. Like, mm. like I can't sit next to this girl and be like, on May 16th, I ran 1165 or something like that. And then, you know, on, you know, June 14th, I ran 12 flat and I was like going backwards. Like no one's going to have that same exact story that I had like moving into it. And so, you know, I just, I think it's like really important for us to, remember that like our journey is our own which can be hard and especially like amongst like younger minds it can be tough to you know like teach them how to do that because you know when you're in high school even in college like and you know we deal with this as adults you know you're that's what you want you want acceptance you want people to think that you're good like you know you're trying to get into college and like you said there's these very blatant things like you're either first or you're not like, you know, you either run this time or you don't either score this many goals or you don't. And there's like a lot of like statistics that go into it. Um, But like, you need to be proud of the fact that like, if you're, you know, have been running, you know, this certain time forever, and then you break it, like, that's huge because you are not where you used to be. And that moment, right? Like we're bringing it back to where you are in the present moment you're not where you used to be. And so like, that's, that's even kind of like what I wrote about. It's like, your journey is your own. And like, you know, we were talking about this early, like telling your own story. It's all about how you tell it. Um, And if you're telling it from like a failure perspective, then like, it's going to make you feel bad. But if you tell it from like a, Hey, you know, like I was doing, you know, I was not even starting on my basketball team. And now like I play like, you know, a whole quarter. And then, you know, maybe you don't play the whole game, but like I play a whole quarter now, like that's legit. Like that's a huge thing. Um, so yeah, that's probably like the best advice um, that I could give. And like, just to be patient because it takes time and there are going to be times where you like, you do compare sometimes, like it's, it's human. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that it, it's innate and it is and okay, but you have to be able to keep it in context and not let the comparison get to your head. You know, that whole tell your own story, there was a, co- a conversation I had with one of our athletes, like, I mean, we're texting for hours, a couple hours maybe about this. And my, my man's is like worried about this essence of almost wanting to be able to gloat. Like, like I, had, 
confidence. We were having a conversation about confidence and like, you know, having the confidence to really feel like I'm good. And it's like, compared to who, first of all, and who's the, like, who can say that you're not good? Um, because to me, you'd smoke me. But yes, the, you know, Olympic champion in this event would make you look like a toddler. But why, why, why do you feel like you're not good? Oh, because you're, you're comparing to these other people. Well, you're not him. So the reason he's running like that, you know, how your body responds to training, how you're eating, how your mind is, how you're racing. Coach, there's really not that much that goes into running. It's not just going out to run. And there's a lot more mentalness to even just going out to run. You're racing and competing. There's a whole lot of tactics that go into that. It ain't about just, it is not strictly how many strides can you take from gun up to tape and how quickly you can turn your legs over. It's, it's way more than that. In this essence of, you know, this kid is messaging me, basically telling his story in the wrong way. I'm like, your story doesn't have to be what you're telling me. Like what you're telling me right now about your journey, about you PR last year and now you're stagnant and you hit a PR, but you don't even care about the PR you just hit because your friends are running even bigger PRs who y'all were the amigos. And now you're like feeling left behind and it's, you're telling yourself the wrong story because there's a way to frame everything you just said into saying your recent PR was a major win, setting you up for something major coming down the line. But you have to be able to tell yourself and tell the story and even when you think about so that huberman podcast i was telling you about i was just listening to a clip today uh and we'll wrap this up here i was listening to this clip and it was talking about dopamine and now he had a whole episode about dopamine but part of the dopamine response and 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 in short now dopamine is a complex chemical your brain chemistry is unbelievably complex but there are some rules of thumb that us average people can roll with Dopamine can control pleasure and pain. It can uh, feelings of feeling really up and feeling and, you know, having low amounts of dopamine can make you feel closer to depressed. Uh, if you take it away, you pretty much are depressed. And this dopamine response can also be triggered in giving you dopamine by the pursuit of a goal and feeling like you're making meaningful steps towards that goal. If you're telling yourself oh, this time, which might've been a incremental improvement. And maybe you only improved by a few seconds in, in a longer distance race. Maybe you only improved by, you know, you went from 12.9 to 12.8. You know, it's not a huge jump, but it's not a huge, huge jump to who? Because first of all, I'm saying, oh, that's not a huge jump, but that really might be a huge jump. You can tell yourself that's a huge jump. And if I say that's not a huge jump, that can decrease the dopamine response that you get. That makes you feel like you're doing something well which may discourage you from working as hard the next time. Or mm -hmm. if you're like, hey, that, 12, that jump from 12.9 to 12.8, buddy, be my chest. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's going to make you work that much harder at practice because you're getting that little rush that's making you feel like you're accomplishing something, which means that the next time you go to practice, you're going to put in that extra work at practice, which is then going to trigger another response that's going to make you feel like you're achieving something versus if it's mm -hmm. negative and negative feedback, you're not really adding any fuel to your fire by you're not, you don't add anything to yourself by making your accomplishments smaller and your progress look smaller. You only actually make the feeling of success smaller and it, you keep yourself away from it. If you win, celebrate that win. Like you just won the championship. 
because no mm -hmm. one can tell you that what you just got wasn't a big deal. Not me, not your parents, not your other coaches, not your teammates. Nobody can tell you that what you did was small except for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like there's right, like the comparison trap, right? It steals more than it adds to like Ooh. your athletic ability. And, and I always say that because there is a quote and I don't know who wrote it, but I like these quotes, but it's like, it's like comparison is the thief of all joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like whenever you're happy about something, there's always that person, whether it's you or somebody else that comes in, you know, well, that was okay. And you're like, really? Like, it's right when somebody rains all over your parade because you're all happy about this little thing. And then either somebody like doesn't react the way that you want them to, or like, you know, in your head, you're thinking, oh, like, they're like kind of smiling, not smiling all the way. So like, they must be judging me for being excited about this thing. It's like, like you said, you like allow that. And so it's like, don't let people steal that from you because it's like your achievement and you're going to have lots of them along the way, but also on the other side, don't steal other people's just because mm -hmm. you're feeling bad about yourself. You know, don't go tell your teammate, like, you know, well, you know, I, I don't think that you did that great or, you know, like kind of downplay the rules, like the best people, which, you know, could be a whole nother just, you know, conversation about confidence, right? Like are the ones that I can literally look at their opponent and be like, you know what, like you did a good job. You know, maybe I didn't run my best or I didn't do my best today, but you know, like you did a good job and acknowledge that. So mm. like, I think that's like you said, like you really just got to remember that where you are is where you are and that's okay. And be proud of those little strides that you're making along the way. For surely. Mm -hmm. So hopefully audience that you, you took some notes, you got some tidbits out of that, something to, for you to reflect on yourself, something to reflect on with the athletes that are in your life. Um, we will, uh, Coach Kyla will be dropping an ebook soon that will be talking about these aspects of sport mindfulness. So the link is not in this bio yet, but if you keep listening to the podcast, it will be in there soon. Um, Coach, you want to give a little tidbit about like, you know, what's going to be in there? Yeah. So um, the kind of idea of this, this ebook um, is sports mindfulness, right? Like, which is pretty much what we're talking about right now. Like things like the comparison trap, other types of mental blocks that people deal with. Um, but it's a beginner version. So this is the version that you can do on your own. You don't necessarily need a coach or anybody to kind of talk you through it. I'm, I'll act as your virtual coach, but you know, these are, the, it's going to be a book that takes you through a multitude of steps where you can just become self-reflective um, and find the thing that works best for you. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm finishing it up probably like today, um, getting around to that, or at least by the end of the week. And I'm really excited because I know that um, if people buy into the, you know, how powerful it is to work on your mind, it's going to be super helpful. Awesome. So make sure y'all stay on the lookout. Make sure you follow her at, at Authentic Fit Training on Instagram. So you'll see it posted. Um, hey, thanks for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend, a teammate, someone you care about. Make sure that you, you know, subscribe, like, and share the show. And, you know, if you yourself are looking to enhance yourself and get yourself to the point of achievement and accomplishment, then come to www.ghperformance.com. Drop your information on there. Let's get you set up with a strategy call so we can sit down and create a strategy with either myself or Coach Kyla to get you on the path to success and not only helping you 
subjectively feel like you're getting better, but also objectively make sure you're getting better. All right. So until the next episode, we'll see you later. Peace out.